Okay, today we are looking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. The promised return of Christ gives believers hope when grieving. Memory verse is 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then... We who are still alive, who are left, will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then so we will also always be with the Lord. So when we talk about the realities of life, death is among that reality. Paul was a realist, and he spent time with those he ministered to, and he understood the concerns that they had. They were his concerns as well. The Thessalonian church was living in a real world of persecution. They lived in poverty, and they were also under Roman dominion. Slavery was common. Women and children were not valued outside the church. And the pagan culture they lived in was full of immorality, as we talked about last week. These human conditions have survived to our day. Sometimes we feel a little disappointed, too, as we look around. We may have an upgraded version, but we still have people who are enslaved to drugs. We have people who are enslaved to sex and power. And we have great poverty in this world, and there's great rejection of Christianity and Judaism all around the world. Anti-Semitism has rivaled the days prior to the Nazi prison camps. And there's extreme immorality. Times on earth can be hard and life is brief. Life expectancy for men and women is around 70 to 80 years. The question we are all left with then when we recognize that most people in the world do not have a certainty of food nor of basic necessities, is this all there is and then we die? Solomon asked that question, and he says it was vanity to think that anything could be done about it. He was a little pessimistic in these temporary days on earth. But we watch with horror now. Right now, we're watching a war online. We're seeing it in person. We're watching spoils and casualties of war. People are being killed with no good reason. We see people that are deprived of their basic right to even have food and water. They're being cut off from all supplies. And then there's the sickness that surrounds all of us. People we know and love are sick and people are sad. Their suicide is the worst it's probably been in America right now. People feel hopeless. And when their loved one dies, they face death with that same hopelessness. But thanks be to God, Christians do not face death that way. We know death is not the final end. We know it's a temporary setback for us who are still alive because we grieve the loss of our loved one. It's interesting to know that God did not plan death in the beginning. That was not his plan. He set Adam and Eve in a garden where if they continue to eat 
from the tree of life, they would be eternal. He set us up as eternal beings. Death was the punishment, the casualty of sin. And Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus was killed, was, had died. He wept. He understands our grief. He is our high priest. He of all understands our grief because it wasn't what he planned for us. Death is not normal. It's not okay. It is sad. It is terrible. The persons that we love are taken from us. It's not what God intended. And so Paul addresses this today as he speaks to the believers in Thessalonica that they have hope. And he says that they have hope for the believers who have gone on to pass away into eternal sleep in their presence. The Thessalonian church was worried about them. They were expecting Jesus to come back any time. And now these believers had died. What was happening? They needed some instruction. Remember, Paul had only been there a few weeks. He didn't have time to get into all of that theology with them. And so now he has this information. He recognizes that he needs to tell them the good news. And so if we'll start then with 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 and 14. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Thank you. So hope is the mindset that this world is temporary and that when we're separated from those we live with on earth and love, if they are in our Christian family, if they have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, it is temporary. Paul assures us that since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then we can also know that those who have fallen asleep are already experiencing presence with Jesus. I don't want to go by that too fast. That was powerful what he said. That we believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's packed truth of the gospel. That is the gospel. That is the good news. We have resurrection power in our lives because Jesus endured the cross, faced it in Gethsemane, cried out to the Lord, if thy will could be to pass this, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, your will be done. He did not look forward to the separation from his father that inevitably would come on that cross when God would look away because he had become the sin offering, the perfect lamb sin offering. The death would be taken that all of us deserved. The punishment would be put on him. He would bear that death for us. But that wasn't the end of the story. Paul says that we believe that Jesus died and rose again. See, all of the other religious leaders, 
of all the religions over this world have died. But Jesus rose again. We have a resurrected Lord. When Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees one day, he said, what do you think about that Jesus, that the Messiah is to be the son of David, and yet David prays to him and calls him Lord? He was reminding them that something was going to be better about this descendant from David than any mortal. And he also reminded them that he was the, that God is the Lord of the living. He also told them one day that, that God was the father. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that, that he was not a God of the dead. He was a God of the living. So he helped them to understand the theology of resurrection as he was on this earth. But he had to go to the cross and die and become the sin offering in order to conquer death. Death had to be conquered. And he rose again and he had a resurrected body. And so Paul says that we have to believe that. And when we believe that, then we can look at death differently. So he says also that we can know that those who are fallen asleep are already experiencing presence with Jesus. Now, people will tell you a lot of different things, but the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there is an immediate passage from this life to God. And so for the believer, there is not a a time of staying in a certain place. God takes care of us immediately. There has to be just an instantaneous relief from death. So for the person, as you look at this picture, Paul uses this picture that was in the culture about falling asleep, but he understands it's a really good picture for Christian death because it definitely is a pause and not the end. And so he says that to be to fall asleep, you know, when we go to bed at night, sometimes we look forward to falling asleep, right? Sometimes as our bodies get toward the end of life and we've suffered and we're we're in that last time, some of us will look forward to, as Paul did, to me to live as Christ but to die is gain. We will look forward to this presence with the Lord. We're going to look forward to that as Christians, much different from the world that has no belief and that there's nothing afterwards. This is something that we can look forward to because we know Jesus rose again. We do not serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Savior who has brought the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we have testimony in our lives that he is alive and that he is transforming us. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8, it says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So Paul again says he'd prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. This, this body, this is a temporary house that we're in. <clears throat> Paul says, don't be ignorant about this. Don't be uninformed in this important doctrine concerning the second coming of Jesus. And he only uses that phrase four times in his letters, but he does use it four times. He says, don't be ignorant about God's plan for Israel. He says, don't be ignorant about suffering and trials in Christians' lives. 
he says, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And he says, don't be ignorant about the second coming. Those doctrines are important for us to be able to live our lives, our Christian lives, to our fullness. And he has reminded them, because we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can look at death in a different way than those who have no hope. So he wants us to be trained like the Thessalonians he wants us to be concerned about death, but he wants us to be understanding that it's a different process for Christians. It's interesting that the Bible would give us this information about life after death. It gives us information about Christians' life after death. There's a lot of silence on the other side of things. But there's a lot of scripture that helps us to have encouragement and comfort about what happens to us. The Thessalonians were concerned for those who died before the day of the Lord, so Paul gave them more details. And so we look at the details today, and they bring us encouragement as well. The idea of sleep being the way that people looked at death caused us to have the words uh, that we use today, the, the dormitories are sleeping places, and then the cemeteries are burial places, and both of those are synonymous words. So dormitories, cemeteries, the place of the sleep is where we get those words. And in, the, in this theology, the Christian death is like laying down for a prepared waking up in glory. So there is a transition that takes place, but there is an awaking up in glory. And it's interesting, there's a lot of, of course, near-death experiences that people have, and many of the things that they have in common is this instantaneous mind that they, that they remember this instantaneous time of being with the Lord. And that is what we believe happens from the scripture. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So for this reason, the Christian does sorrow at death. Of course, we do grieve. We are sad when we lose our family member. I have a friend that lost her son, who's 36 years old and has a two-year-old last week. Of course, she is devastated. It is terrible. It is not what's supposed to happen. Death is not what's supposed to happen. We still grieve as Christians, but it is not the sorrow of those who don't have anything to look forward to. Do not understand, people who do not understand, there is hope and that there is a heaven and a Savior waiting for us. Our sorrow is much different. In verse 14, Paul gives us a full assurance that Christians who have died yet live. I was thinking this morning we should think about those people who have been in this church. The pastor says it's more than 150 that have gone to be with the Lord from our congregation. Don't you miss them like I do? I miss my mom and daddy. I miss Al Murphy, my 
sister's father-in-law that passed away last week. I miss Ola May Neely, Trent Walker, and Ann Ferguson, and Reverend Ussery, Floyd Medlin, Floyd Ferguson, Pearl and Gaston Norris, Kenneth Helms, Jeanette McGeehan, Peggy Everidge, Pauline Thunderbird, Wendell Davis, Faye Deese, Harold and Virginia Black, Polly Hastings, Lois McKinney, Mary Lou McCorkle. Could we just name them on and on? There's so many that we loved. They held this church together. We didn't even know if we could keep on having church after Peggy Everidge wasn't here to greet them and to make sure they got a call. <laughs> but others took up that mantle. So we are so thankful that we loved them and we missed them and that we grieved them, but we're going to see them again. When a non-believer dies, we truly mourn. But when a believer dies, we mourn for ourselves. In Psalm 4, 8, it says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Our mortal bodies will become more fragile with time, and as we age, we will be called upon at some point to leave it behind. And sometimes I think there is a, an acceptance of that and a readiness for that. But the moment you leave your body due to death, you are instantly with the Lord. And heaven is a state of being with God. Paul teaches that heaven is gain because Christ's presence is better than life itself. It's a place where there is no sin, no sickness, no sadness, and where we live in perfect fellowship with Christ. Jesus tells the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. So we know it's instantaneously. But if that wasn't enough good news, Paul says God will bring, God is going to have, when Jesus comes back, God's going to have Jesus bring us with him. <laughs> so we're going to be with Jesus, and then when he comes back on the second coming, the day of the Lord, he's bringing us with him. Because there's all these people that we left behind that are going to miss, that miss you, and have, that we miss, and there's going to be this great reunion so God has that already all planned. Those that have fallen asleep are going to meet those that are still alive. And we're going to have this great big reunion party because Christ is returning. And he will bring those that he took back with him when it's that big day. When he would be bringing in the heavenly host and all who have loved him. And there will be that celebration. So we come now, I would just like to read the rest of the scripture. So just go ahead and read from Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. Well, we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Thank you. So Jesus is coming back, and we've got a big reunion. And it seemed the Thessalonians were really worried about the people who had died, and um, with all the different pagan beliefs that were out in their culture, 
they just were real concerned that Jesus had delayed too long and what was going to happen to them. And so we understand then that death was the ultimate hardship, and it still is the ultimate penalty and hardship that we all face. To be born is to have certainty of death unless the Lord comes before that time. And every generation should rightly look for the Savior to come in your generation. We should rightly be looking for his second coming. But as we talked about already, we have no assurance of when that date is. We are to just be ready because he is coming back to get us. But in the interim, death will continue to take its toll because only Jesus has resurrected. The great resurrection is in the future. The great resurrection will take place at his second coming where he will bring with him those who have already died and they will receive their resurrection bodies. And then those who will meet him in the air will also have a regeneration. But the fall did actually create a terrible thing. And God, who had made the whole world, including our bodies, was so disappointed that he gave a curse on that original sin. And death has to be defeated. And so Jesus did the defeating. So on the day that Jesus comes back, there will be the believer's resurrection day. That is future. That is something we can look forward to. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 57, it says, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh, where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gave us victory because Jesus died and rose again. We, too, will rise again. Resurrection bodies will be a physical reality just like Jesus had. So he allowed us to see that in the New Testament. The Gospels allowed us to see that Jesus had a physical, recognizable body, and it was not the grotesque body that was on the cross. It was a recognizable body where he showed the scars so we learned some things about the physical look of it. There must have been enough difference that, it, that he was in his best perfectness, whatever that glorious new body will be like. Because remember, on the road to Emmaus, he, he broke bread with them after he had explained the laws and the prophets and all the things that had happened were fulfilling scripture. And then they recognized him. So we know that he wasn't just quickly identifiable, but it was very easily for the disciples to recognize him. So the people at Emmaus may have not have had as close contact, but he was very recognizable. So maybe we'll all get our youthful bodies. There's going to be something that's going to be really great about it. I loved Jonathan Edwards has a lot of scripture on the life after death, and he said, 
don't worry about this. God is only going to be it's only going to be better. Whatever you have liked on earth is going to be a lot better in heaven. I mean, think about it. If he's given us this picture and these things on earth and there's so much that we like and are attached to, you can only see that glory being made so much higher and better and more exciting and it's out of our understanding. We cannot imagine it. But it's going to be better than anything that you could imagine. That you are going to like your new body. I don't want you to say, oh man, I get this body, I want a new one. I like to have a different one. He's going to give you something where people can recognize you. That's going to be a big deal. <laughs> we want to be able to recognize one another. We are brothers and sisters. We have been a church family. We want to be able to celebrate and and throughout eternity, reminisce and, and just be together with the Lord. Jesus has already entered in his resurrection body and he will return us in the fullness of a new creation. We will be a new creation. We'll have the body that he wanted us to have. Our new bodies will have a spiritual component that will be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The new earth will be like Eden, but what Eden was supposed to be. So it'll be even better. Revelations 22, 1 through 5, God's people will eat from the tree of life and live forever without the possibility that their blessed resurrection state could ever be lost. How about that? Our new body will be imperishable. It will be glorious and it will be powerful. And we'll be living in a purified world. No sorrow. Romans 8.21, the new world will be set free from bondage. The corruption will all be gone and we will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We will be free from ordinary matters of life to seeing and worshiping Christ face to face. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, Paul says of heaven, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. The apostle John wrote in 1 John 3, 2, But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. We're going to be like Jesus. We're going to have resurrected bodies. We're going to be what God designed us to be. Remember, he created us in his image. It's a big deal. Death and destruction, the wages of sin, will be gone. That is the curse. Of course we grieve death. But it's not permanent for Christians. Revelation 21, 4 says we will be with him and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. So you know he died and he rose again, but he didn't take death away yet. That's future. That's coming. That's the second coming. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no pain for the for, for these former things have passed away. So we're going to keep the good, get rid of all the bad. Sounds good to me. Paul encourages the Thessalonians that there is not an advantage 
to living in the, I think I've got a sentence there that's wrong. He encourages the Thessalonians that they will be encouraged by the resurrection. The dead will be proceed those who are alive. That's what I was trying to say. The dead will precede those who are alive. So he's saying that if you're still alive and he comes back, you're not going to race up there and get to him first. The dead are already with Jesus. He's bringing them with them. And the picture that Daniel gave us when we studied Daniel a few months ago was that picture of Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be King Jesus. It's going to be what the Jews were looking for the first time. They did not accept a suffering Messiah. They did not accept a baby in a manger. They did not accept a prophet from Galilee. They were looking for a king to come in the clouds. That's going to happen. That resurrected Jesus is going to come and bring us with our resurrected bodies that I don't think we get until then. When we're with the Lord, we're probably in spiritual form, but we are going to get resurrected bodies at the same time as those who are going, meeting them in the air. And Paul is very clear about the glory of Christ's return. It's going to be something that no one has ever seen. There's going to be trumpet. It's going to be something that can be seen no matter where you are on the earth. It's going to be heavenly. The the angels are going to come from everywhere. When Jesus was in the garden and the disciples chopped off the ear, he said, stop, I have to do this. Don't you know that I could call in legions of angels? He told Satan the same thing in the wilderness. He had access to angels. Believe me, they will be coming with him in the glory. That little picture when we saw when Jesus was born, where the shepherds got the big angelic chorus, that's just a small picture of what's going to happen in the end. This is going to be something that you can't miss. It says, with a shout of the archangel, it will get everyone's attention. And unfortunately, it will just be such a split moment in time there will be no time to repent at that time it won't be he's coming in an hour everybody get on your knees and repent before the lord it will be it's here nobody knows it will be like the thief in the night it will not be something people know but it will happen and it will be glorious and people will be happy or they will be in mourning because it will be something that no one has seen. It will be the greatest event in human history. And every eye will see it. And the descent of the Lion of Judah back into this world. To correct the woes of this world. To correct the evil of this world. There will be a correction. Because God is a just God. He is giving his merciful timing to allow people to come into his kingdom. But when the world becomes, there will come a point, just there did, there came a point with Sodom and Gomorrah and he took them out. There came a point in the days of Noah and he flooded the world and he said the next time will be by fire. There will be judgment. There will come an end. There is a time that there will be no more hope for those who have not chosen. It will be such a 
second it will be so fast that they will not have a chance to be the thief on the cross and get in at the last second. That shout will be heard around the world and the trumpets will be heard. And Jesus reminded his disciples at his arrest and Gethsemane that he would have so many angels if he wanted to, that he will definitely bring them with him. So I, I was thinking about trumpets and how we, we will have the little movies on Hallmark. They have a lot of them about the kings that come to America to find a bride. And they'll have their ceremonies. And they always have these trumpets that introduce royalty. What we see on this earth, the grandeur of the, the song that they play when the president walks in, that will be nothing compared to the king of kings as he is escorted into the earth to reclaim his world, to reclaim what he created. When Jesus faced the Sanhedrin, he was asked by the high priest if he was the Messiah, and he told them that they would next see him coming in the clouds at the right hand of the Father. They should have understood that as scripture. That was a quote from Daniel. They should have understood that if they were students of the word. They had ignored the prophets, even though they had had 400 years to recognize the prophets were truly from God, but they had not been students of the word enough to recognize the Messiah because he brought those scriptures constantly to their mind. He wanted them to know the day of the Lord would come and that they would acknowledge it. He wants us to know that. He wants us to know that so that we can be busy. Because we have lots of people in this world that we love that don't love Jesus. And we need to be busy. This is Holy Week. This is a week we need to tell people about the love of Jesus. Our Savior went to the cross as the holy, perfect Lamb. He took our sin. It is our sin that on him at the cross and then he conquered death and rose again Paul says at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and at that time that he comes it's going to be every knee bowed this is going to be the greatest reunion you ever went to what a day that will be that's what the song says isn't it what a day that will be so we don't know when the day is. And we know that God is patient and he's given people time to come to faith. But don't get too worked up when somebody starts putting dates. It's fine. I definitely follow the prophecy and I definitely see that a lot of prophecy has been fulfilled. And I love to hear David Jeremiah and some of the people who have laid it out and shown us that so many fulfillments have been taking place. But no one but the Father knows. We don't know when the last days. And the church of Thessalonica was waiting for Jesus to come. In Paul's day, Paul was waiting for Jesus to come. That's, why, that's the way we should live. And we need for God to be patient because we want our loved ones to be able to be with us in heaven. So we are ready because we are Christians, we have been saved. 
but we don't want to get there and be ashamed that we have no fruit, that we have no, we didn't bring anybody with us, that we didn't follow his commands and and invite others from falling off the cliff. If you saw somebody and they were right at the edge of the cliff, Amy Carmichael says you wouldn't just let them fall off. You wouldn't just keep on letting them march right off the end of the cliff. You would stop them. And every day people are dying undone, not ready to meet their maker. What is so beautiful about this passage that we study today is that Paul wanted to give encouragement to the Church of Thessalonica. In turn, that encouragement has been for the ages. We are all encouraged that he tells us what will happen to believers. And he says, you know, don't worry, the, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then, and then we're going to meet them in the air. But as he says that, there's this, there's this sense as he says that, that he's saying, you're going to see the ones you love. You're going to recognize them. You guys are going to get back together. I believe that. I believe we're going to be recognizable enough that we're going to have this great reunion. We're going to be so happy to be with Jesus. But he didn't give us all these relationships on earth and give us all this joy that we have from these relationships not to have that even more wonderful in heaven. Everything that we have that is wonderful, I think is going to be an exaggerated higher level than we could ever imagine. That's why he says there's not going to be marriage in heaven. You're not going to need that. It's just going to be even better than that. And we have that one relationship that with a spouse, if you've, if you've been married, that is just so special. God's saying it's going to be greater than even that. Jesus was saying it's going to be even better than that. All of those details. Don't worry about all that. I have something that's even better. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... I would tell you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He's not a great place for us. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. We do not have to grieve as those who have no hope. God gives us a picture of what happens to believers. But the opposite of that, there's not much information about what happens to the non-believer. Except for dreadfulness, that they will be eternally separated from God in the picture of hell that we don't want to even have to think about or imagine. We are going to meet Jesus in the air. We are going to be recognizable in imperishable bodies. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It's precious, precious for us to study this. That doesn't mean that if you lose someone, you're not sad. We're going to all be sad. We, we grieve. We see the picture in Job. He pulls his clothes off. He's in, he's in a heap. He has lost all of his children. He just wants to die. It's just so sad. Grief is sad. Jesus identifies with that as our high priest. He never wanted us to have to face death. Death was not his intention but he sent his son to conquer it. We have eternal life. We have something to look forward to. And for some of us, there will become a sickness that we will be more than ready to be absent from the body and present with the Lord, that we would get to the place that Paul was. To, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But in the meantime, there are souls out there that do not know Jesus. 
I pray this week that it will be your ambition to talk to somebody about the cross of Jesus, that you'll be able to tell them the story, the precious good news, the old, old story. Tell them the story that Jesus came to die for them, that he wants them to have eternal life, that he loved them so much that he made relationship with God possible because sin had destroyed that and that he wants to create a new life for us. And it's just going to get better and better and better, just as you are better today than you were 30 years ago. God is, your brain has grown. You, you know more things. You're better. You have better skills. As we're in heaven, we're going to get better and better, and we're going to be, we're going to be truly more and more like God. We're going to be subject to his kingdom and and it's going to be more than you can ever imagine so i hope that you can leave today encouraged because that's the last thing he said he said be encouraged be encouraged thessalonians be encouraged we have hope take that with you this week father thank you so much for your hope it is not the world's hope it is true hope we have it based on you We thank you, God, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end that you set in eternity and decided to save us, to redeem us. And Lord, please bring people into our lives that we can witness to this week. Give us a chance to share your good news. Help us feel the urgency. And yes, Lord, we pray you will continue to have mercy and delay your coming so that more can come into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.